Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. We are talking about the best movie in 2017 I have seen so far. This is going to be one of my 20 or 30 favorite movies ever made. I can already tell it's Logan, the unbelievable tour de force performance from Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. This James Mangold masterpiece has to be seen. It has to be talked about. We're going to talk about it right now on the show. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Yeah. What's going on? Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Guess who's back? Dude. <laughs> this is an exciting day. This is as exciting as of an episode of we done, we've done in a while. This is like very exciting. This is like uh, I haven't walked out of the theater and felt like this in two thousand. I don't even know. I, don't I mean, know. I can't tell you how much I love doing the show every single week. Yeah. I love doing the show, but driving here in yeah. traffic today, I was so excited. Yeah. And I haven't had that level of like kind of. Like childish excitement, enthusiasm, enthusiasm, and so long. Not that I don't love the other movies we cover on the show. I know show. exactly what you mean. I know exactly because it's not it's not a question of of finding the interesting angle on something that you've always loved, yeah, and breaking it down and discussing it, and then as you get into the episode, getting more and more excited. It's like raw adrenaline. Like, I just discovered something incredible, like and now I, I get to discover more as we discuss it. Like I injected all the green serum, yes, and you that's did. how I feel right now. Yes, is like I'm like amped. I'm jacked up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie related. And this is Action Movie Anatomy. We talk about action movies on the show. We don't talk about superhero movies on the show, really, um, or even really franchise like adventure superhero sci-fi movies. No. We have traditionally stayed away from them. The movies we do talk about on the show, however, adhere to four basic rules. Those four basic rules are, number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. You know, it's funny because we talked about with Swordfish last week how he didn't really play how, by yeah. his own rules. And in some ways, it's almost like Logan doesn't play by his own rules in this one again. No, I mean, it's definitely one of those situations where you can be like, well, if he didn't want to do it, then he wouldn't do it. Um, but he is literally pressured by all these forces, whether it's Patrick Stewart or X-23 or even Gabriella, yeah. of just being like, you have to do this. You agreed to do this. This is your job. This is your duty. This, You know, like all yeah, these right. things. You know, someone needs to come. Someone else will come along. Someone has come along. Someone has come along. It's that whole thing of just like, you have to. Yeah. You must do these things. Totally. Um, in that sense, I mean, I think he does... I guess it's like he's Logan. He plays by whatever rules yeah. he feels like he needs to play by. So he is playing by his own rules, but like it does feel a little bit in some ways like he's sort of scared of the world in this one. He's mm -hmm. a little bit scared of the world. And he's been beaten by it. He's been beaten down by it. And and they, they do a good job with that. So rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. Um, definitely. I mean, he's, yeah. he is Wolverine, so he's got all the tricks. He's got everything. He knows all the tricks. So you can't really beat him. So he is the smartest guy in that sense. And I would say... The Doctor, for sure. Yeah, the Doctor is, but he's not really the villain. He is and he isn't, but it's that same thing of where we always talk about in movies how the main villain isn't really the main antagonist. It's his secondary henchman. It's his right-hand man. Yeah, it's his It's his Mr. Joshua. It's his Mr. Joshua, exactly. So, like, this guy, the Doctor, you're not ever expecting to see him in any sort of, like, physical altercation. Except for in John Wick on the bridge at the end. Except for in John Wick on the bridge <laughs> at the end. Whereas the Horrible guy uh, playing uh, Donald Pierce... Yes. 
he feels like the bad guy the whole movie, but he's really second in command. Yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. And then, and then third, there's really three villains because the next twenty four is the other villain. Yeah, right. Like it's terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. So all three of those are like the. Yeah, they they form one villain, and yeah. I would say that the three of them form the smartest guy in the room on the other side for sure. Yeah, they, there's no, there's never any chance like whether he's tracking them or Caliban is that. Yeah, they're never not being found. Agreed. Rule number three: the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Now, this one is, I think, just totally off the mark. Yeah, I mean, he's not being hired to. No. He is. He's I guess, not an X Men anymore. But he's I mean, not he doing it for the money. Yeah, exactly. He's not, he gives the money back. So yeah, that's and that's. I mean, straight up, one of the reasons we don't do superhero or like movies like this usually when mm-hmm. i say this i mean like x-men universe is for that reason we like our characters to feel like you're being first introduced to them for the first time and they're people in the world right and you're getting to know them through and that actually relates to my thesis which will be a lot of fun because i i I'm, I'm very interested to see what your thesis is because we both could have it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline gone for the obvious one. I mean, it's not obvious, but it's an obvious argument to make if you think it. Yeah. And I almost went there, but I decided to pull back. So, okay. Um, but in, in any case, uh, that's the four rules we usually go with. Wait, you didn't say the explosion? Did you say explosion? Oh, no, no. Sorry. Rule number four. The movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Caliban blows it. Spoiler alert. By the way, yeah. this is going to be a massive spoiler alert for you guys out yeah. there. If you haven't already figured that out, this is a Logan review episode. We're going to talk about everything that happened in the movie. And I wanted to say, since we kind of forgot because we were so excited in the beginning, you guys can find us at AMA Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Andrew Guy. And I wanted to say thank you to everyone over at Collider and on the Schmodown for having Ben and I on for yeah. our very first match. It was aired on Tuesday. We won. It was awesome. Awesome. It was so it much was fun. So fun. So excited. We missed some embarrassing questions. We'll just call it out right now. Henry. We, we apologize for not knowing that Indiana Jones's name is Henry. His real name is Henry. We just, yes. right now, if you watch the episode, yep. we get Action Adventure is a category we don't get that right. So just. It's embarrassing. Sorry. Well, I, I'm not the biggest indie guy. I'm I, not the biggest indie I guy. I love either. the movies. I've seen them all Same. maybe once, twice, yeah. but a long time ago. I haven't watched them in a long time. Yep. Uh, so. But anyway, we're so happy if you are coming over from watching us there. Welcome to the show, and uh, welcome our weekly fans. And so. if you guys want to follow me, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Lots and lots of Twitter interaction. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we are, we, Our Twitter is like relatively inactive normally. We, we retweet, we respond, uh-huh. but... Uh, you know, we deal with a lot of old movies, a lot of like classics that people don't just like talk about on Twitter. People aren't like, "Oh, let's talk about Swordfish on Twitter right now." The Rock would be a fun one to bring up in a trend. Like that doesn't happen. Right. So the stuff we talk about doesn't trend very often. But we've been getting some new followers and responding. And thank you guys for watching us on Schmodown. That was an absolute badass time. treasure. We'll be back on next month. I yeah, believe. we challenged the nerds watch, and they're fucking going down. I'm gonna die. <laughs> anyway, back yeah. to Logan. <laughs> so uh, anyway, guys, yes, this is the show. We're going to talk about action movies. Here here on the show today, and uh, we're going to queue up the trailer. This is a special trailer. Oh, this is one of the best trailers I've seen ever. Yeah, long time, long time. Big one. This trailer gives me goosebumps. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The first time, I watched it four times in a row when it first aired. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about the the relevance. God, I need to get a fucking job. (laughs) Andrew, get back to making the fries. No. Watch it. Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. Beautiful cinematography in this movie. 
that at least once during the episode i uh, oh, okay all right we got to get into thesis because i just we gotta we just gotta talk about this i want to just throw out one thing really quickly okay we've got marissa serafini up in the booth we do she is our today's She's engineer our today's producer what's going on marissa Hello, marissa saw logan. I, I did see logan did you love it uh yeah i love some parts of it and some parts i didn't but i'm i'm excited to hear what you guys are oh interesting chime yeah. in later in the episode if you if there's anything just call we'll throw to you maybe because like we're so amped on this yeah. it'd be good to hear like the other side of yeah, it too yeah no I, Marissa and I talked for a little bit before the show and she has some interesting points about it I definitely don't it's not that I don't agree with them I totally understand where she's coming from but I was like Ben and I are going to be nerdgasming for over an hour on the yes. show so it might be good to have losing another losing our yeah. fucking minds so getting into our bold thesis statement this is yeah I'm sorry yeah. I'm, just, I'm so excited you're so pumped <laughs> up uh, yeah thesis statement is the part of the show guys you know if a, if, if a movie ever comes up in conversation and you feel like you know a lot about that movie like let's just say you really believe you have a point of view that should that is like the point of view on the movie mm-hmm. um, kind of like the thing you tell somebody at a party it should be rooted in almost like hyperbole the greatest this the first this the only this it should never be like my favorite x-men movie is x2 let's talk about it because people will be like well i have favorites too i don't want to talk about yeah, that it's who cares it's like let me tell you something about this movie and then explain to you why it's true and yeah. that's what thesis statement is we always lead off the show with our each we each have a thesis statement about the movie we do and i wanted to just go we got some i mean our chat guys thanks for being in the live chat uh, i will be on here as long as i can uh, they've already got some thesis statements. So one of them from Serenity and Joel Hammett are saying that uh, this movie transcends genres by being a dramatic action movie. This is so much more than just a superhero film, you know. And then um, where's the other one? Oh, Hammett again says, not only is this Hugh Jackman's best performance, it has reset the bar for what comic book movies must live up to. So I'm going to piggyback on those, and I'm going to say, and this is really hard to say, and again, this is our thesis statement this isn't something that I can backtrack on you know this is something that I'm saying now and I really mean it and I had to think about it quite a bit this is the best comic book superhero movie that's ever been made and that's not comic book and superhero it's comic book or superhero so we're talking Watchmen we're talking anything that's come from any comic book any graphic novel and superheroes comic book superhero or comic book comic book or or and and or got it okay you know what I'm saying it literally covers every graphic depiction of something that's been put on screen yes and the reason that I say this is 
the only other movie that comes in contest with this are Batman Begins and Dark Knight. And Dark Knight's really the only one. I'm like yeah. the person that argues that Batman yeah. Begins. Dark Knight is the only movie that's even put in this category. I didn't cry during the Dark Knight no. numerous times. Yeah. I didn't tear up the second time I watched Dark Knight numerous times. Yeah. I don't don't get me wrong, Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies and that is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in a film, but this movie is not a comic book superhero Marvel movie. This no. is a fucking amazing film where people in it happen to have superpowers. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That is why this movie transcends a genre because it is not a, a superhero genre film. Like One of the points Marissa made is when she walked into this, she was expecting something else. Yeah. She's been expecting what we've been getting for almost 20 years. Right. I respect and understand that. I can understand how going into that and watching this, you're like, okay, that was great, but that wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. For me, this is everything I've ever wanted out of a type of film that is like this, that is derived from something like these. Yeah. It is perfect. It is emotional. It is incredibly well written. It's driven. The writing in it is fantastic. There's never a moment for me. There's moments where you get close to lulling, yeah. but then you don't. Something happens. What are the, it's the water going out. Yeah. You know, anything like that. So... My my bold thesis statement is that this is the best comic book and or superhero, I guess graphic novel adaptation, whatever you want ever. to call it, ever. And I and I and I stand firm in that. Yeah. So that's the one when I referenced the, the thesis statement to go towards that I said if you want to go down that road, mm -hmm. the opportunities there. When I say obvious, I don't mean obvious like it's not interesting. I mean like oh, of that's you walk out of the theater and you start thinking about that immediately. I mean, most people I've talked to have immediately started thinking about that. Um, people's lukewarm reactions to this movie, I, I understand, but I do think we have a pretty unique perspective dealing with like male-driven testosterone drama and action right. every week for two years just like that's what we look at and we look at so many movies driven by these aggressive masculine characters um, that it really does give us a sort of unique perspective of when a character and a film and an approach transcends that you yeah. really get up and you pay attention because it's absolutely it's different it's not we're not we're not watching you know you and I aren't watching Moonlight one week and something else the next week and talking about that on the show it's like we watch everything. We analyze critically this genre. Yeah. So I thought about that, and I almost went down the same path. The I'm only reason didn't. I didn't was because when I really think about it, I have to tell myself, you know what? It's been two days. I need to let this settle. Right. I need to I need to see this a second time and a third time. And I have seen it a second time, by the way. Yeah. Just and, to let people know. And let it digest. Because, I mean, yeah, it's it's incredible when you walk out of a movie and you feel like that, but it's like when you first start dating someone in those first few weeks are magical yeah. Yeah, yeah, by yeah. three four months in it's like it's not like it isn't still incredible it just has so much more depth it's yeah exactly you, it's become it's begun to process a little differently and you're not projecting your expectation of what this movie is supposed to be to you mm -hmm. anymore you're actually you've sat with it you've talked about it you've read reviews you've seen other things and you made an interesting point when we walked out or might have, might have been beforehand when I was telling you how much I loved it and you were saying Dark Knight you know when we walked out of Dark Knight and we didn't see it together but w when we walked out of it individually it wasn't like oh you know that last act kind of carried on a little bit that Two-Face was maybe a little forced I wonder why that was in there you walked out being like oh my god that yeah. movie was great masterpiece right but it wasn't in the same way for me and I'd like and we're going to talk about that yeah. more later but I just want to say that now that like walking out of this movie the first time first of all I didn't walk out I sat there for about five minutes just kind of like yeah <sighs> yeah <laughs> you know? Com completely. Because <laughs> you, you walked out of Dark Knight, and, and my buddy that I saw it with at the time described that he felt, he was like, it feels like my nuts are on ice. That's the way he described it. He's a pretty vulgar dude. But um, 
it was a feeling of like you had been through something. Yeah. And it was incredible. And with the amount of expectation attached to that movie and this movie, but there was way more expectation attached to Dark Knight. I mean, we watched the trailer to Dark Knight, respectively, in our own lives for right. a year. We, I watched the trailer probably 90 or 100 times. Like, I would check Dark Knight news on Google, <laughs> news yeah, alerts, same. for three months leading up to the movie. I mean, that movie was so hotly anticipated that that one blew me away. In retrospect, that movie is incredible. It's, like, one of the great movies of our time. Absolutely. But it is flawed. And it, it is, is 25 minutes too long. Yep. And Bale of Batman is good, but he's not, like, everything. Right. He, you know, it really just comes down to the fact that Ledger is Joker. And if you guys watch our Dark Knight episode, we talk a lot about the relationship between Ledger's performance and th- that movie's legacy. Absolutely. Um, yep. and, and there's, a, there's I think, you know, some pretty interesting... I feel like my thesis might have even been something like that that was the most overrated or something. But I don't think that's what it was, because I love that movie. It's right, like, and like, I do understand your point behind that. But Top ten favorite movies. But yep. my thesis for this movie is a little bit less hyperbole on the movie itself. It's that Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is the greatest portrayal of an actor as a superhero ever. Um, and when I put that into context, I had to really start thinking. What we are think? the Schmodown Kings. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Those douchebags know their stuff. Yeah. Congratulations, Team Action. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, that's such a great thesis. I had to really think about it because okay. I was like, all right, so let's let's take the most classic ones, the ones that people think are just like groundbreaking. You've got you've got Christopher Reeves, you got Reeves as Superman, you got Keaton, you've got Keaton as Batman, you've got Downey as Iron Man, you got Clooney. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. Downey as Iron Man, Downey I think, is, Iron Man is, is definitely high on one. people's list. Yeah. I mean, some people would say Bale because they feel like yeah, Bale's a good one. And then, an, honestly, uh, Batfleck is another one that people absolutely like. They totally love or hate yeah. him but yeah. I'd say those first four really those are super iconic yeah yeah I mean you and you start to go back and you start to think about okay like every iteration every superhero not even the ones that have been franchised necessarily but like guys that have shown up in one movie or right. something like that like there's been so 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 many at this point and it's super hard to take people like you know Fomke Jansen playing Jean Grey and, yeah. and like Patrick Stewart playing Professor X they don't have standalone movies um yeah, that's. I mean, Daredevil is great too, but that's not a movie. Yeah, but it's I would. A, I would say. I, I would even say. Because what did I say? Portrayal of an actor as a superhero. Ever. Yeah. So TV as well is fair. Yeah. So like, I I really like uh, Daredevil. I think that he does an, an incredible job on that show. But, yeah. Yeah. So well, the reason I say it is because it's not even, and it's not even like that. The the ten movies that he's played Wolverine in are all great movies. They're not. No, they're fact. not. And there's they're, a couple really bad ones. By in and there. large, pretty mediocre. Actually, yeah. um, it's just that. Okay, his performance in this movie is unbelievable. His performance in this movie is like is like un- unmatched. It might be the best performance of his entire career. Yeah, honestly. I, I definitely think it's the best performance of his career, and I also think, I mean, I, I think the Fountain is one of his greatest performances. I, love I that know movie. you love that yeah. movie, but I think this is the best performance of his career because he, we all had an expectation as well. Yeah, oh and yeah. He totally, he totally just pulled the rug out from underneath everybody. Shattered it. It shattered. It was in in one the fir- one of the first things I said about this movie was like. I have. It's been a long. I mean, you see this a lot, Leo. You've seen it um, because we've been watching him for so long. Yeah. But when you really watch an actor mature yeah. on screen, and you're like, 17 years ago, he could have never ever done the. There's water. He could yeah. have never done that. Yeah. That scene was so. I, I, we'll, we'll get to that because yeah. we're going to recount a lot of moments. But yeah, just thinking about like Christopher Reeves as Superman, which is like one of the all-time most referenced important superhero performances it's like the original it's the OG yeah it was so good and he's so good and he's so perfect for the time but it's like 
it's just such a different thing. There, you weren't you weren't asking him to do as much. There, no. he's like having to be Superman, which like as we found later and later and later as they recast the role, it was like you can be Henry Cavill, who's a fantastic Superman, and he's a great Clark Kent. It's just not that interesting to watch. Yeah, it's not the same. The genre is so much deeper. There's so much more. We expect so much more now that watching Jackman in this role, I was like, holy shit! Like he's gonna he's gonna go down. So. Spoiler alert! I believe this movie is going to get nominated for at least three Oscars, and if it's 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 a little unfortunate that it's coming out in March because yeah, it's always tough to remember. Yeah, this so it might end up only getting like two. I think it should get. Uh, go ahead. It'll it'll definitely get supporting actor. That's the most obvious yeah, one, and I'm sure. fairly certain it'll get writing and cinematography. Yeah, probably some effects categories or, or makeup, but those three almost assuredly. And, and I honestly think that. The two guys should also get it. I think that they should get best director nod, and I think they should get a lead actor and best picture. I mean, and we'll, we'll see what yeah. happens with movies because again, it's I, I, that was one of the first things I've said that like five times, but it was. I had so many thoughts when I walked yeah. out of the theater. That was another one of the things I thought about was like, oh, fuck, is this movie going to get overlooked at the Oscars because it came out too soon? Yeah, and it's I it it will. It's, it will because no matter how much you love a movie, you will forget about it in eight months. It will win one Oscar, and that Oscar will be Patrick Stewart. You think so? Yeah. Maybe writing, but I doubt it. It seems unlikely. Yeah. But but the point is, everyone's going to see this movie. That's the difference between... That's the difference between, like, when you talk about an actor's performance in, like, a great movie. Like, okay, let's just take, like, Casey Affleck and Manchester by the Sea. Like, mm-hmm. seven people saw that movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, not really. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Seven people saw that movie before everyone was told to go see it. Seven movie. people saw Moonlight. Like, the reason those movies... The artist. No one saw the artist. Like, yeah. when years as years and years pass, those movies that are celebrated... There's an incredibly unique category of films that feature either an unbelievable performance by an actor or like a wonderful song or something that also get seen by everyone. Yeah. It's the reason that Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow was such an amazing thing is like when you make a movie that you have to make palatable and expect to make hundreds of millions of dollars and the world sees it and there's Oscar worthy shit inside. Yeah. That's when it's really special. That's yeah, and it's incredibly special. And, and and what's so great about this is that it happened at the end and not the beginning. Yeah. Now we don't need to watch it die out. One of the most interesting things that I saw. We all know Seinfeld. If you if you're our age, yeah. You know, one of the big decisions that Hugh Jackman had with making this his last appearance as Logan was he sat down and talked to Jerry Seinfeld, and Jerry was like, I didn't want people to watch my show and be like, Oh man, this guy again. Yeah. Right. I didn't ever want that moment to come. You know and. What is that, uh, the Cobain thing? It's better to burn out than fade away? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where Jackman saw this and was, and was, he'd never trained harder for a movie in his whole life. And this is 17 years later. Yeah. You know, you would think he would have trained the hardest for the first role because he was a nobody. Well, also the fact that he was, you know, 17 years yeah, younger. Exactly. And like, but the man is like just walking HGH. I mean, He's I don't incredibly even. Incredibly <laughs> jacked. I, Jackman, I think, probably with this movie, has now elevated into... Like, I have my list of top ten interviews I ever want to do. And I don't know if he's quite in the top ten yet, but, like, Jackman wouldn't have been top 40, top 50 going into 2017 for me. I think, like, this movie alone and just how much I've learned that I love the guy has vaulted him so much higher. Oh, I I love him (laughs) so much more than I ever thought that I would. I'm just reading about what everyone's talking about with the Oscars. Um, The only thing that we didn't mention was Best Supporting Actress, which... Honestly, Daphne Keene is is f- amazing. She's great. She's she's perfect. Yeah. And and that's another thing about this film. And I, I, I kept thinking, it was like, where have I seen Donald Pierce before? And I'm a huge fan of Narcos. Yeah. And he's so... And I was like, I had this moment of being so happy for that yeah. guy that he made it. But 
I talked to you when we walked out, and I said every single role was cast perfectly. Yeah, he was fantastic. He was amazing. And, and watching the trailer, you were like, I yeah. don't know. He's got the cool hand. Yeah. When he's like, when he's like, I have to be honest, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. You're like, you're like, fucking awesome. Yes, yeah. of course you are. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. You know, you guys are badass. Yeah. So, um, moving on to the next bit of the show here, so we can make sure we cover everything. <laughs> There's just so much to talk about. Just guys, keep talking about this. So let's talk a little bit about where these guys are in their career at the time this movie comes out. Super interesting for yeah. both of them. So Stewart, I mean, when we make the comment about Patrick Stewart and the Oscar that he will win, it's for both the fact that he's unbelievable, though I actually think Jackman's even better in the movie. I do too, but your point. But Stewart is unbelievable, and also this is classic, where it's like, when in his career at this advanced age will Patrick Stewart have another opportunity to be in a movie that is this visible with this good of a role? And the answer is never. He like, won't. And and he's basically, it almost feels like he's retired other than just doing this, even though he's still yeah. working. Though um, he did he did lose 20 pounds for this role. Yeah, and he'd said that he'd basically maintained the same body weight since he was about our age. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, so... He, the stuff that he did, you know, National Theater Live, No Man's Land. Yeah, so this was this wasn't even a film. This was like, I mean, it was, but it was like when you record theater. Yeah, right. And so that was that. And then he did Spark a Space Tale. Yep. Uh, he did Christmas Eve on 2015, where I'm pretty sure he's actually top build, but it just looks yeah. ridiculous. And then before that, honestly, the biggest thing he's done was he was the narrator in Ted Two. Yeah. Yep. And like, so that that's one of those things where you're just like, yeah, you, you everyone will recognize you now in your career as Charles Xavier. I heard a really interesting conversation. People were talking about Jackman versus Stewart and what this franchise did for their careers. And it's like, mm-hmm. you can almost say that the X-Men franchise was as good for Stewart's career as it was for Jackman's. Totally. I mean, if you and I were going to sit here and do a career-defining role, it would be so hard for Stewart. For Stewart. It would be Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. Or Professor X. Definitely. And it would be split at about 26 years of age, I think. Yeah, it's really that's that'd be a hard one to define. So that's where these guys are. Um, Jackman, on the other hand, Jackman is his in his sort of like post. <laughs> you like the picture I pulled there? Uh, is in his like post young leading man prime right now. He's like he's like over fifty, publicly diagnosed with skin cancer. Uh, it has now hung up the claws. Yeah. Is, so what? What is? I read that. What? So he's got pretty bad skin cancer. Pretty mild, but it was announced okay. like a year, year and a half ago. Um, his the the make makeup. Yeah. Makeup has to get nominated. Oh yeah. The makeup, his scarring. Yeah. And that one scene when he's in the hospital room and the doctor's like, oh, I've always hoped I'd see one of you. Shows his stomach. His stomach. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I like yeah. I could not get over the like how amazing the makeup was in this. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, so you actually saw Chappie and Eddie the Eagle. I missed both of those movies. Yeah, I actually I, I was shocked. I liked Chappie. Uh, Marissa hated it. I thought yeah. I was going to hate it. Um, but so it was follow just, up Neil Blomkamp's follow up to District Nine. Yeah, and it was just it was just on HBO like two months ago. I've seen it twice since. It's just good. I just <laughs> liked it. And yeah. then uh, I haven't seen Pan. I saw Pan. I've seen. Did Pan. you like that? Pan's okay. okay. It's, it's just okay. Uh, it's it's an interesting movie. It's an interesting take. Um, I liked the cast involved, which is why I watched it. Right. And actually, my friend Jason wrote that movie. Oh uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like he's a uh, he's a he's a good dude. But that's uh, cool. Yeah. But um, um, he was also uncredited in X Men Apocalypse and in um, I mean he was in First Class a little more. Uh, Eddie the Eagle though. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that movie. I, I really love Taron Edgerton, and it was just like a fun, feel good family movie. So it's crazy that. And another one of the, I mean, if, I, if my thesis wasn't so bold in the beginning, another one that I would have loved to take is that Hugh Jackman has dealt with yeah. having a career-defining role better than almost anyone ever has. That's a really interesting point. Because, um, like, you would think that this guy would just be pigeonholed immediately. Yep. 
Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point you make, and I almost think that's more relevant of a thesis than the one I used. Mm-hmm. Um, that would probably have been the more relevant thesis because if you really think about mine, it's like it's definitive, but it's also your the competition's not that stiff because how many people have played the same hero in like nine or ten movies? Yeah, it's it's yeah. Whereas what you're talking about there is so much more relevant. It's like it is so hard to buck the character-defining role when you've played it in so many movies. Yeah. And he has, and he's done such a good job of getting incredible work in between. I mean, my favorite Hugh Jackman movie other than this happened right in the middle of his career. Yeah. So, and we'll, t- we'll talk about that in just a second here. Um, but, uh, in fact, should we just jump right into it? Yeah, let's jump right into it. <laughs> people people hate Chappie. <laughs> really? <laughs> They're just destroying it. People don't Chappie like sucks. Chappie. Chappie is such, is such farts, dude. Yeah. So, Marissa, they're on your side. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's get into our top five here. Let's do top five Jackman films now. I thought it was top five Jackman non-Wolverine, <laughs> and yours is top five Jackman, including Wolverine, uh, where he plays Wolverine. So Yeah, what, so because this is the thing, and we talked about this last week on the Swordfish episode, but Jackman is like that, for a guy that is like in that post-young leading man prime now, where he is he is every bit capable of getting nominated for an Oscar any year. He's a massive movie star. Mm-hmm. He's as respected and well-loved. He's like a national treasure, even though he's not American. Um, yet, the guy has one Oscar nomination in his whole career for Lim Is, yep. and that was like a few years ago now. And he ultimately, like, ultimately, like, Hugh Jackman has not been in that many visibly unbelievable movies to people. No, if Hugh Jackman wasn't so awesome, he would have a super mediocre career. Dude, does that make sense? Com- totally. Like, the movies that he's been in, they would all be overlooked, and like, no, everyone, he would kind of be like, like, who's an example of someone that would be just like Hugh Jackman? Almost like if Sam Worthington was 10 years older. It was yeah. like, this guy was a young hot cell. He was in Terminator. He was in, you know, uh, the gods of whatever, you know, yeah, right. whatever, and, uh, and, and like he was a, a heartthrob in this, and he looked like he really had it, and then he just didn't do anything because he wasn't that awesome. I think that it's uh, it's more credit to the thing you're talking about again with the career defining role because you don't get to have the lengthy career that he's had and be mediocre, yeah, like and be a leading man. You just it just doesn't happen to guys. Like you don't you don't find very many guys where like their whole career was like Van Helsing's and yeah. you know and like yeah Pan and Chappie like there's very few people. real steel like. That also can do that, where they're like a part of numerous like franchises. Yeah, you know, Kate Beckinsale did it, I think, I think. But like Jackman being in Van Helsing and an X Men, it's yeah. just cool that he was never defined by anything. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I, what is your fifth favorite Hugh Jackman movie? Yeah, um, I went with a list that included X Men films. Yeah. So my fifth favorite is The Fountain, and The Fountain, mm. unless I'm mistaken, The Fountain came out in 2004. I think Does that so. sound right? Eh, right around there. It might be 2006. Yeah. I think, well, The Prestige is 06. So oh, okay. I think Fountain yeah, yeah. 04. Um, directed by Darren Aronofsky, a really interesting movie, th- told in three timelines with the same two actors. And Amazing. Yeah, it's a really interesting movie. It's based on a, I think it's based on a graphic novel or a book. I can't remember. I think it's a graphic novel. Um, but The Fountain is the first time ever that I had seen not Jackman as Wolverine doing his guttural yell, but it was the first time... Like, Jackman does this, like, quiet, uh, tragic rage. He does a quiet, yeah. quiet, tragic rage that explodes in moments better than I think anyone. People say Ben Foster's the best crazy in Hollywood. I think Jackman is the best, like, guy you relate to who's kind of losing it and yeah. snapping at moments. Yeah, it's him and Gibson are the two guys that are really good yeah, at that. Yeah, Gibson had that same they thing in the his same day. building rage that yeah. just explodes. And there's something so magnetic about when it explodes that like 
it's like being close to a train wreck or like an explosion. Yeah. Like you, you want to see what happens. You know, it's kind of dangerous, but you want to be near it. Bale's good at that too. Bale is good at that Bale's too, at that especially too. on sound guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the fountain would be my my number five. Your number five. So my number five. I'm just gonna pull Chappie off the list and put Logan on it so that I don't get <laughs> murdered. Uh, I'm gonna go with Eddie the Eagle. Okay. Tell me about Eddie the Eagle. I mean, you said it's good. Turner it's just Edgerton. good. It's just fun. Him and Edgerton are good. They have a great relationship. Uh, Jackman's kind of like a washed up old Olympic athlete that right. trains him. He's like an alcoholic, and yeah, it's just it's just a good fun movie. Fun movie. Yeah. Um, my number four is X two. Uh, X two is the original movie that considered made us love the best X Men movie. Wolverine. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's because X Men one's a good movie. I mean, it's I haven't seen the first one in quite some time now. I know I see two all the time. Yeah, but X two was that one where it was better than the first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they, they let Wolverine sort of have a moment. Now, not like they do now in Wolverine movies. Right. The most graphically violent thing that happens is he puts his claws through a guy into a fridge, and you don't even see the claws or the blood. Right. But, like, that's the moment when he, like, goes goes all rage. And that movie's great, though, because it, it culminates in them going to hide out, and then they have to go to that, like, bunker, and Brian Cox is there, mm-hmm. and Brian Cox is sweet. And uh, oh yeah, yeah that movie's good, and then it ends with the Phoenix thing. Like yeah. the third movie should have been really good. That's a shame that X Men: The Last Stand was such a piece of shit. It really was. Tr- quick trivia fact: Who directed X Men Three? Singer? No, Brett Ratner. Oh, Ratner did. Yeah, yeah thanks, yeah, Maris. Yeah. I heard you. Yeah, I heard you yeah. as well. <laughs> um, okay, so my number four then, I think is going to be the Prestige. The Prestige. Yeah, number four. Number for you? four. <sighs> yeah, I love the Prestige. I think it's awesome. I think he does such a great job in it, and. Um, it's fucking just Nolan just kicking ass. I'll save that one. It's a little higher on my list. Yeah, I figured it was. Uh, my number three is Prisoners, which I actually just saw for the first time last week. Yeah. And I fucking loved it. That's it was, my number three as well. It was so good. It's so good. He does, again, it's, he does the quiet rage. It's like no one plays sadness into rage better than Jackman. That's like what yeah. it is. It's like it's his like anger and sadness that turns into just complete... It's, and, co- it's his cope. It's his coping mechanism, his yeah. rage. He doesn't know how to handle it like a normal person, so he just loses it. And that's like why... You know, when she touches him at Professor X's gravesite, he yeah. lets it happen for a minute, and then he's so mad that he let it happen. Yeah. He's so mad that he let Professor X die that he's just like, you know, he does it. At 6'3", do you think you would be a little bit terrified on set working with that guy? Dude, absolutely. Jackman? Yeah, yeah. that's why he... That's I mean, someone said in here that his charisma is the only reason that he's... Um, done what he's done with his career and it's true if you go and you watch his ADR of him covering that scene of him charging through the woods it is unbelievable not only is it unbelievable and and that was another thing I noticed about the film was like the sound editing is incredible yeah watching it again you saw like there was two moments where I was like ah they were a little off but that's because I was looking for it um but you watch that and you see how insanely in the zone and intense he is yeah he's horrifying but then, as soon as it cuts, he turns and he smiles. He's like, "Yeah, Jesus," you know. And you're like, like "Hey, that's super. Yeah. That's that's that movie star charisma that we always talk about." And he's got it. So uh, your number three was what? Prisoners. We had the same one, right? Yeah, that was my number three as well. So your big, number two, the big moment of truth. My number two is Logan. Yeah. So my number two is the Fountain. Yeah, you love that. Movie. I love the Fountain. You know, I only saw it in like '06 once. I oh, okay. I've seen time. that movie probably ten times. Oh, really? I love the. Fountain. I didn't. I didn't know if it would still hold up for me as well as I remembered it, but I remembered really liking it. I mean, I haven't seen it in years, so this could be a little. People don't love that movie. It's it's yeah. it's regarded as good, but like no one really references. It's it like non-linear, like, and yeah. it's like confusing, and it's super heady. And but um, I love it. So your number two is Logan. So your number one is The Prestige. Yes, and the argument that I have this is this was a hard one for me because originally on the list Logan was one for me. The reason I changed it was that 
as amazing of a film as Logan is and as, as impressive of a movie as it is, and it is, mm-hmm. um, I've maintained for a long time Prestige is like in my top 20 or 30 movies. Like, yeah. I love that movie. But also, and the Prestige, the biggest knock on the Prestige is that that movie didn't get Oscar nominations, and it should have because it was better than a lot of the movies that came out that year. It just was one of those movies that got kind of like... I don't know, passed over. Mm-hmm. It's a very underrated movie. Logan succeeds in so many ways because it has 17 years of history and nine movies before it where you've gotten to know Jackman as this character. So it's, if you had just made this movie as a standalone without him ever having played Wolverine or Logan before, it would have still been a very, very, very good movie. Yeah. But there's a depth involved that's a little unfair. When The Prestige succeeds with no context, it's just written and made and one movie and you walk out of it just feeling like you've just watched something amazing and two great performances. Logan, it earns it by making you watch nine other movies, but like, it still earns it. It's still still unbelievable. That gives The Prestige to me gets a tiny edge there because Logan may be more emotional, but I've seen The Prestige probably ten times and I... I like think about watching. I want to watch it right now. Right, like it's still that good to me. So mine is is Logan. That's yeah. my number one Hugh Jackman film ever. If and and I I think this movie was perfect. I really do. And I I've seen it twice now, and I can't wait to watch it again. And and I just I can't think of anything else that he's done that I enjoy watching more. It very well may be that over over the years, this quickly becomes my number one. Right. But it's the same reason I hedged on my thesis For a little sure. bit. Yeah. Was it's just like I'm trying to let it settle. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost went and saw it again last night at 1130. Right. Just, but instead, I went and bought these. <laughs> so, these awesome little things. Uh, these are the comics that the story is loosely based on. Incredibly and, uh, loosely. And Ben will take it because he knows comics better than anyone I know. So uh, we're going to jump into Fist Pump Moment in just one second because we skipped it, which is hilarious. We skipped Fist Pump because it's the whole show. It's the whole <laughs> show. And we're, yeah. But it's good. It's good. We'll get to yeah, it in just a that's second. hilarious. Um, so this will be kind of interesting for you, actually, as well, because it's... it's uh, these comics don't really tell the story of what we just watched. Not at all. They're... I thought they were older. I seem to remember this old art from the mid-90s that I figured, like, Old Man Logan was from. It's just been so long. Mm -hmm. This one, Old Man Logan, the comic, is from 2008. Yeah. It's just from a few years ago. And The Death of Wolverine, this one is from two years ago. They're both... So the first one is written by Mark Millar, the guy that wrote Wanted and Kingsman Secret Service and... what else? Uh, Civil War and like Wants Kick Ass no. and yeah, he's just he's like this guy that everything he writes gets adapted and turns to gold. So it's a really interesting story. The premise of Old Man Logan, the only similarities are Logan's old. He's 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 on the run uh, to deliver something, and it's a road trip, and that's the, that's it. Aside Is he from by that, himself. No, it's Hawkeye who's now got glaucoma because it's way in the future. Right, right. And Hawkeye enlists his help to go deliver a package. And it's this weird story where basically it's way in the future, supervillains all banded together on one night in, and eliminated it like a genocide of all superheroes. Because they were like, if you think, think about it, there's like 20 of us for every one of you. Right. So if we all organize, we'll kill all of you and then we'll divide up the United States like dictators. And so like Red Skull is president, Doctor Doom has like a sector, hmm. the Hulks have now become like this like like basically bully gang like like slum lords basically okay um so like hulk like hulk hulk yeah like all his grandchildren right. it's like this whole like trailer park of green people huh. um so that's like the story but the the whole thing is that he's a pacifist now wolverine is he won't use his claws and the reason is because on that night when the first call goes out um he like the the fucking house or whatever gets swarmed by villains and it shows wolverine just fighting and like kills like 25 like recognizable villains the final of which is bullseye 
And he's like, and I just remember finally Bullseye looks at me and he's like, you're supposed to be our friend. And then he looks and then he like it, the room flashes. And he looks over and it's Mysterio who's turned all of the X-Men into villains in Wolverine's head. He's, he's just, just murdered all, all the X-Men. Wow. And so that's why he like refuses to ever use his claws again. Um, spoiler, he does. And it's sweet. Um, <laughs> and then Death of Wolverine, basically the only similarities there is that he dies. And then that serum that like the regeneration serum and the adamantium poisoning, that's all from this comic. Um, okay, but that's pretty much it. Like all the stuff with X twenty three, that's a whole different thing. X twenty four, who is the clone thing, he never existed in the comics. He's horrifying. There was like a cybernetic version called Albert back yeah. in the old days, back in the in the late eighties. But I mean, comic books. I've said this a lot. Wolverine is of an era where like. In the late 80s, early 90s, Marvel was just pumping out mutants. They were just making new mutants. There's so many mutant books from around that time that are just bad. Hmm. And the continuity of those comics is a lot like the continuity of the X-Men movies, which is that it doesn't really add up. Right. You have multiple versions of the same characters and different timelines. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was interesting to read this stuff and try to get a sense of it. But that is kind of the... It's all basically a brand new story. And actually, I was watching an interview with Jackman. And he's talking about how uh, he knew that he wanted this to be his last one. He woke up one night uh, about over a year ago, and he had an idea, and he called James Mangold, and he left him a long message about this idea for the final movie. And he's like, I won't tell you the specific details, but it, a lot of the idea went into the movie and became what the movie hmm. was. Um, he was like, for months and months and months, we didn't even have the X-23 storyline in mind. That was something James came up with. Um, he created that and became this wonderful thing. But he was like, the biggest comp for him, the movie that he wanted to make, was The Wrestler. That's the movie that. Oh, right, right. That's like, is The Wrestler and Unforgiven are the two Yeah, movies. he has like five movies he throws to in the trivia yeah. that he pulls from. Can you stop talking so we can just go watch this movie again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I know, right? I, I, like, this whole time you're talking, I'm just like, I must go watch this Logan again. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, let's get into Fist Pump Moment before we, we talk about we, I don't think we've ever skipped Fist Pump Moment no. in almost 100 episodes. Just so exciting. Yeah. Just so much to talk about. <laughs> Um, so fist bump moment, guys. This is such an easy one, but this is the moment in the movie where you're watching something happens and you're just like, oh, yes, this is so awesome. Yes, like you look over at your, like you, you and I did yeah. it a couple times. You look over, you're just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, movie right now. this is so good. Can be anything. Can be a, a line, a headshot, the credits, the music, uh, a whole scene, the entrance of a character, Gary Busey's teeth, whatever you want it to be. So um, that is that is what we're gonna do right now and. This is a tough one, man. There yeah, is. there's so many. Uh, I'm going to throw this in here. Esteban says, Logan, I have to pee. Yeah. This is funny. a great one. Uh, um, you guys, please keep throwing them in. I'll, I'll keep pulling them up. But so do you want to go first? La- Laura using her toe claws for the first time. That was sick. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, what do you think, man? Um, you know, <laughs> there, there's so many. I'll go with my action one. Maybe we'll do like two each just because this yeah, movie Yeah, I have just, a couple. Um, Caliban blowing himself up. Yeah. So beware the light. For me, the, the minute that Wolverine wakes up, Logan, and he sees the the green serum next to his bed, yeah. and he's like, "Don't use it all at once." You know that he's going to use it all. Of at course once. he is. And you also know that when he uses it all, he at plays once, by his own rules. Shit's going to get real. Really. And we're going to get to see we're going to get to see glimpses of young Logan. Uh, yes. For a short amount of time. So he's like running and he's like wheezing and huffing and puffing and he's holding the bag. I looked over and he's like, I was like, use the juice, man. Yeah, use use juice. it. Use the juice. And I loved it because when he, he, he like sat down, yeah. he, didn't even, he didn't even pull it out yet. He sits over and you looked over at me. Yeah. And he looked back. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I like, I gave a fist pump. And you put your other hand down. And then he, then he injects it and he starts going fast and he dives and I do the double fist pump. <laughs> Dude, the dive. Is definitely my fist pump. The dive, it's just like uh, that whole moment is is incredible. That was like 
that was my real true fist pump yeah, moment. But exactly. There's it, a lot of emotional ones, though. Yeah, and you have them throughout the film. That happens at the end of the film, so you probably already had a couple fist pump moments. So my other one, it's, it is the first time you see X-23 fight out in the fucking yeah. the truck or that the salvage yard he's like no no but yeah. no and then she just you're like oh god and what it is that's so great that I realized watching it again was that it's her yells that yeah. girl's guttural screams when yeah. she kills things it's not like a little girl it's like a wild beast yeah right that that was that was my first fist pump was when she she did that I was just like she gets her yell from a good from a good dad from a good dad she absolutely does um, yeah okay so and then I would say uh, there was a lot of emotional moments that are that are like unbelievable but I, I think probably my other one I think my other one because it's not a, a clearly just like emotional like I started crying moment right but it's when it's when they're sitting at the dinner table with that family and they start and they're kind of having the family moment because that's I want to do a two hour episode today I do I too just, I mean, <laughs> we can do whatever we want man. Um, but no but like it's the moment they're sitting there and He's like, you were a, you were a teacher, Charles, and he starts talking about it, and he's like, I wish Logan, I could say that he was a star pupil, but yeah. he wasn't, and he, I, like, I got it. cut out a couple times, and and there's that moment where you see Jackman laugh because I think it's like the only time in the yeah. whole movie that he laughs. It's gotta be. And there was just this moment where I was like, wow, they took the character of Wolverine, and they took a road trip family dynamic with a dying yes. grandfather, like yeah. a, like an ill grandfather, and, and they said that. The Little Miss Sunshine. Son, he references the Little Miss Sunshine. A sick son and like a naive daughter. Yeah. Who's like, but she's like wise beyond her years, but she's like so young and innocent. And they made it work in a Wolverine movie. Yeah. And I was like, and the laugh, and I was like, I I got choked up because you're just like watching. You're like, oh my god, this is like as effective of a family scene as I've ever as I've ever watched in any movie. This could be yeah. this could be August Osage County and Meryl Streep getting an Oscar nomination, and it doesn't matter. It's yeah. the same fucking thing. I know when he, whenever he refers to him as his dad, yeah, is is super endearing. But he's like, all right, let me just let me get my dad settled. Yeah, and it's that when he's up there and he's like, take a moment, yeah, feel it. This is what home feels like, and you're yeah. you're looking there and you're like, this is. I told you I was like I would watch a movie of the three of them just being a yeah. family because yep. it was so beautiful like just thinking about him as a dad and taking care of his dad and like yeah I, I, it's so funny because I read that earlier I was like the Little Miss Sunshine connection when you said it just now I just my mind was yeah. just blown um, there's also something super endearing about watching movies where you know the main character is going to die at the end yeah there's something See, I didn't I wasn't positive he was going to die I was pretty sure I didn't know but how I he could sure. say it was his last one without killing yeah. him so uh yeah, I'm going to go through some fist pumps because we got a bunch in here. Yeah, yeah. Is that cool? So we yeah. got uh, foot claws were a nice surprise. Just how more violent and raw the action was, and it felt real. And that was a big part of James Mangold directing, saying yeah. he didn't want to use a lot of CG and green screen, so it would feel real. Uh, Asif Khan says he loves it when Pierce gets his comeuppance. Um, and you and I were a little yeah. uh, separated on that. I love that. I thought that was awesome, too. Uh, uh, Maya Patton says just hearing him scream off in the distance was definitely was definitely a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. I like, I, that's the thing. is I, Several times I laughed because I love Jackman's uh, guttural yell, yell so much. so good. And it felt out of place to laugh, but I did anyway, and that was definitely one of them. Uh, we got Bruce Lee saying uh, Laura coming out with her head head on the arm. Yeah, it was pretty sick. Casino scene. What am I missing? The casino casino scene? scene? Which one's that? Oh, it's, that's where they're at the casino and the fucking seizure happens. And he's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Going that's through the... super awesome. Uh, Andrew Hill says, if you're going to blow your brains out, could you wait until we're on the high seas? I just clean these floors. I don't need that shit. Uh... 
turning the cross into an X. Yeah. X23 was a big one. Yeah. Uh, that was a couple people's. It, this is I love this. Thanks for the, the the live chat today, guys. It's awesome. There's like ten more. I'm not going to keep reading them, but those are just the first ten I People saw. Were stoked on it, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that was the one other thing I thought of with the seizures, um, and I wanted to make reference. That was why I brought the comic book up. That's I think when they keep referencing the Westchester incident, where yeah. Charles reportedly killed six or seven mutants. He doesn't say X Men. He says mutants yeah. um, and injured like sixty other people. I think in some ways that's what Wolverine's getting tricked by Mysterio and killing all of the X-Men. They took that and just changed it. I think that that's probably a related idea yeah. is, is some part of like needing to go into solitude and become like, you know, like he's sick or something. But I thought that was probably... Yeah, because they had the scene in the movie originally yeah, right. of it happening and, and Mangold was like, eh, this is, it's better when it's mysterious. Yeah. So yeah, guys, fucking just unbelievably sweet fist pump moments. Um, we are going to just do a quick race through the production development here so we can make sure we cover everything. Yeah. Um, so three writers, powerhouse writers. Yes, absolutely. So I'll cover Mangold in both capacities because he wrote, he was a co-writer and directed this movie. Mangold, uh, most famous for directing the classic film Kate and Leopold. Yes. Um, no, no, no. Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, and Wolverine. Yeah. So Mangold directed a bunch of movies, uh, going all the way back to the mid '90s. A movie called Heavy, which is he won Best Director at uh, Sundance for. It's like a Liv Tyler indie from '95. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a deal with a studio writing and directing. Then uh, basically a deal as a writer. His next movie is Copland, which is good. Stallone. Yeah, right? yeah, De Niro. It's a good one. Copland's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's an interesting movie. Um, and then after that, he just starts going. So it's like Night and Day. He does Girl Interrupted, which gets uh, sorry, Night and Day is much later. Uh, he does Girl Interrupted. He does Identity. Oscar there. He does Three Ten to Yuma. He does The Wolverine, which is the Wolverine reboot. Um, he pretty much wrote all of those movies as well. But he took a big break between '05 and now. So to, from writing, yes, yeah, he he was a, basically a writer on almost all of the movies he directed until that point, and then he started taking on projects like Three Ten to Yuma and Night and Day and The Wolverine. Um, he also did Walk the Line. Which I was just going to say, Walk the Line is probably his most celebrated thing that he's done. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, but he didn't get a Oscar nomination. He's no. never had any relevant nomination for any movie he's done aside from that Sundance, as far as like the big ones go. Yeah, it feels like that. Um, it feels like that they should. He'll get one for this. Yeah. I think if as long as this movie is like recognized in any way. We just gotta keep talking about it, guys. Yeah. We gotta do so it. he's the main writer, then you have Scott Frank and Michael Green, and this was pretty interesting. So Yeah, this was cool. Um yeah, so you have you have Scott Frank, who is like a veteran, right? He wrote Out of Sight, Get Shorty, Minority Report, The Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um he directed The Lookout. Remember that movie with Joseph Gordon Levitt, oh seven? Yeah, I was I was like, which one was that? I was thinking about that. The Liam Neeson movie Walk Among the Tombstones he directed. Yeah. Um that's his deal. But then you have Michael Green, guys, talk about a name as a writer in Hollywood you yes, should pay attention to right now. Huge. This is fucking crazy. Michael Green had basically written a bunch of episodes of like Smallville and Everwood and Heroes. He wrote 2011's The Green Lantern, the Ryan Reynolds piece of crap. Um, but then he writes this movie, right? And then his upcoming slate of films are Alien Covenant, yep. Blade Runner 2049, and Murder on the Orient Express, which by the way is going to star Daisy Ridley. And on top of that, he wrote most of American Gods. And which, by the way, Ben and I saw the trailer for Alien Covenant oh my God. in the theaters before Logan, which I actually hadn't seen it yet. <sighs> it looks amazing. Yeah. I cannot wait. Unbelievable. So yeah, that's Michael Green. We'll so be that's, doing that on the show. That guy, like... 
flash forward two years from now, that guy is going to be just like, oh yeah, he just like wrote all those massive movies from the last couple yeah, of years. He, he will be one of the biggest writers in the world. Yeah, so then you have James Mangold. We mentioned his directing career. Um, this is his third collaboration with Hugh Jackman. And uh, finally, this is produced by some pretty heavy hitter producers. Mm-hmm. Hutch Parker being the smallest. Um, he worked on most of the X-Men films over the last five years. Fantastic Four, the bad one. Well, they're all bad, but the one from 2015 and Patriot's Day. Simon Kinberg um, was originally a writer. Um, he wrote Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Sherlock Holmes. Um, he's produced Cinderella, The, the Martian. But mm-hmm. he has a first-look deal with 20th Century Fox and ultimately produced most of the movies in the X-Men franchise. And then you have the biggest, most badass heavy hitter of the bunch. And this is really interesting. Yeah. Lauren Schuler Donner, wife to Richard Donner. Here's just a couple things she's produced. So, first of all, her movies have made $4.5 billion worldwide. Which is more than our boy Bruce Berman. She owns the Donner's Company with her husband. She has produced every single X-Men movie, back to the first one in 2000. Going back even further, she produced Free Willy, St. Elmo's Fire, Pretty in Pink, Any Given Sunday... Deadpool, she's the man. I mean, this She's woman like just classic after classic after classic. And I was just pulling like six or seven that were like right. particularly relevant. There's like ten others. Uh, just the fact that it's every X Men movie, every Wolverine movie, and she's a woman, which like never happens. You never find. I mean, I shouldn't say never. There's a handful of no, extremely I mean, you, powerful you women. You literally almost never find women in production at this level of success. That's why we know their names. Absolutely. And I didn't know who this was, which makes me feel foolish because she's the producer on every X-Men movie. I mean, four and a half but you billion know, I mean, dollars. obviously you know of, of um, Richard Donner. Of Richard Donner. Yeah, yeah of course. So that makes a lot of sense. I didn't know who she was either. Yeah, so that is the deal there. Yeah, so moving on to critical and box office, this is uh, very interesting because the movie is so new, uh, but it's been incredibly successful. It was The studio was Fox. It cost $97 million to make, yep. which, again, look at how much you can do with that much I mean that's fucking a tenth of a billion dollars you should be able to make any good movie yeah you know you don't need CG and green screen in every movie to make it good that yeah. is why this movie succeeds you know on that point before you just keep going with the, the before I freak out the numbers <laughs> just because it made me think a little bit so when you're when comparing the Dark Knight to Logan because this is a conversation that's going to happen a lot over the next yes. few years this is the example that I would give and I heard something similar to this on a podcast I was listening to but I would say if the Dark Knight is Terminator 2 then Logan is like Looper or something. Okay. Or like I mean, yeah. Looper's I, not I see as you're saying, Looper's though. not as celebrated, so that's not the the best example. But it's like the Dark Knight is an epic classic with like there are like set pieces and scenes in that movie, like him jumping off the building. Right. They like cost more than movies make. Yeah, and like they it looks so massive. That movie is so big. Mm-hmm. Logan was a much more intimate movie. It's a much smaller movie. It accomplishes so much on so much less, but it's also not asking as much it doesn't have yeah. to do as much so and, I th- and it never feels fantastical right even though there's superheroes in it so I think that that's important to remember is that like this movie didn't cost as much it also wasn't trying to be the same movie as The Dark Knight yeah. they're very very different animals and it's hard to compare them accurately for that yeah reason. that's a really good point you make because if this movie did cost 250 million dollars to make it wouldn't have been as good no I know that's weird to say but it wouldn't have been uh, so it opened March 3rd. It's only been open for a couple uh, weeks, and it grossed $156 million domestic, 284 worldwide for a grand total of $440 million. It also had the largest release of an R-rated movie in the U.S. at just over or just under 4,100 theaters. 
Um, it's currently the 32nd highest grossing film of all time, and it's number 51 on the top 250 on IMDb. Sorry, I, I wrote the stat and I fucked it up. It's the current 32nd highest grossing R-rated film domestically. Of all time. Okay, I was gonna say that seems yeah R-rated film dom- uh, domestically of all time. So critically, this movie has an 8.6 on IMDb. And it's number 51 on the top 250. Now, this happens a lot yeah. when movies come out, and they're like Dark Knight was number one for a, for a while. Yeah. Um, and then Shawshank and Godfather ended up taking back the point. It's just because people are so excited about it and it's spiking. It will probably drop, I'd say, to the hundreds. Yeah, I would think, but I would think. honestly, if it didn't, I wouldn't be angry. I mean, this movie is yeah the best superhero movie I've ever seen. I mean, look, this is like the conversation of, of when you talk about like NBA draft picks, and you're like, well, all right, so there's 12 spots on every team. And then you're like, and there are 30 teams, which means guys play for an average of like 9 to 16 years if they're good, and they mm-hmm. play less years than that if they're not that good. But there's 60 guys getting taken in every draft. So you're like, you're like, well, how can we get a job for all these guys, and how can you make these draft picks work? It's like you can't because there isn't room. It's yeah. the same thing. It's like if there's 100 best movies of all time or top 250, and seven or eight or ten really good movies like incredible movies that are maybe in that conversation come out every year movies that are on that top 250 from the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s inevitably either you have to just give them credit because they're older or they get kicked off yeah and And, it's really hard to do either of those yeah so that's i think that's a really hard list to make correctly um well i was actually even thinking of you and i bringing back our rankings list for this episode but it's 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 again it's become that thing where if if i was like all right well let's come up with our top five just for logan because it might be in there our top 10 yeah that would be so hard to do at this point i mean we're on episode 92 or three or something we'll do the ranking we will do it again eventually but i was like to do that for this episode it's like it's gonna take days i mean around the time of episode 100 that week we'll have some very special stuff and one of those things will be a full rankings episode so we'll do that um also the other thing I wanted to bring up really quickly was that I threw a a graphic up here of the top grossing domestic R-rated films of all time, um, which is interesting because Logan has already become number 32 on this list. If we can get that blown up just a little, Marissa. What is the thank first Thank you one? so much. Passion of the Christ. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Number two is Deadpool. Of course. Um, and you've got Saving Private Ryan up there, uh, Hangover Part 2, Beverly Hills Cop, The Exorcist, Ted, 300. Can we just go back over the top to see like the top few? American Sniper being number oh, three, okay. Matrix Reloaded, The Hangover. Oh, so, dude, this movie's going to crush. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's already been in two weeks, and if you start to look at when a lot of these movies came out, you're already starting to get into that point of time where movies are not seen in theaters to the same degree anymore. Right. So I don't know that it will catch up. Gladiator. But the all-time worldwide gross of this movie is going to crush. Oh, absolutely. And I honestly, I mean, I don't know if you can beat Passion of the Christ because it was re-released and it was in theaters for so long. It was, yeah. at, it was at a time just like when Titanic, when movies would stay in theaters for nine months. Yeah, right. Uh, thank you very much, Marissa. Thanks, Marissa. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes, all top and audience reviews gave it a 92, and 88, and a 93. And that follows our usual um, formula for for f- movies that we cover on the show. Yeah. But I was trying to pull reviews, and I just couldn't. Yeah, I, I really just couldn't pull them because the ones that were negative were just like annoying to me, yeah. and then the ones that were positive didn't really <laughs> pay it the justice I wanted it to to be heard. So I don't really have the review section, but I think you guys can tell based off stoked. what we've talked about this episode how we feel. So here's a question for you. Um, we started to mention this the other day, but you paid to see this movie twice now mm-hmm. in theaters, and I'm going to see it again while yeah. it's still in theaters. How many movies since you've been like an adult that like would frequently go to the theaters have you seen twice and paid for twice? 
How many? I mean, huh. what was the last one? What were the last two or three? Interesting. I started to put a little list together of mine to try to come up with, like, what... And there's not very many. There's not very many. I can tell you this. Both Star Wars films, Force Awakens and Rogue One, I paid to see twice. Mm-hmm. Um, which is understandable, and I think that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. I saw Edge of Tomorrow twice. I remember. Okay. I was yeah. so blown away, and I was so excited that I wanted to take someone to see it again. I saw The Dark Knight twice. Definitely. Yep. And the only other one I could come up with was Slumdog Millionaire. Wow, you saw Slumdog twice in theaters. I loved it. I, I th- love Slumdog. I thought it was amazing, amazing the first time, and I just She's really so wanted to see it a second time. That's the only five movies I could think of that I've paid to see twice. Other ones that came to mind that I was like, I wonder if I did, were Mad Max. I only saw it once in theaters. Mm-hmm. None of the Mission Impossibles. I didn't see... Oh, yeah, I only saw Mad Max once. That would have been another one. Yeah, guys, hashtag uh, paid, paid twice and at MA Podcast. Let us know what you guys saw twice. I... I honestly think okay. So the last I know movies that I've seen twice in theaters yeah. over the last few years, and that's the two Star Wars movies. But I didn't pay to watch them the second time. Yeah. Uh, every time that I go home for Christmas, yeah. Um, me and my family would always go see a bunch of movies. Yeah. And Star Wars are going to be that movie for sure. a while now because they're going to come out every year. So I I haven't paid to see either of those twice. Though the last movie I paid to see twice was Dark Knight. Yeah. And that was eight years ago. That's a long time ago. Uh. And I would pay to if I look if I wasn't so poor most of the time I would pay to see this again I would just go watch it again today because I love it that much yeah um, yeah I I don't think that there's because you know what honestly I don't really like watching movies in theaters I mean I do and I don't like yeah. I really love the aspect of being there and how loud it is and all that but I also love being able to get up and you know get yeah, myself right. a drink or have a bite and kind of talk through it or whatever so. The last movie that I paid to see twice in theaters definitely was Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost been a decade, man. Dark Knight was, I mean, the, only, like, the other ones that I was thinking of, I was like, okay, I didn't see Dark Knight Rises in theaters twice. I didn't see Interstellar in theaters twice. I didn't see Gravity twice. I didn't see, like... Wait, what's TFA? Oh, The Force Awakens five times, Rogue One twice, Mad Max three times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mat- Matrix. Last Matrix. Last one was Matrix four times. Yeah. It was almost that was 18 years ago. It's crazy. So, yeah, so that's uh, that's that conversation. Um, moving on to our favorite line. Oh. Yeah. God, there's so many. My phone just died. Whoever had that bet going, I bet you it lasted longer than you thought. <laughs> uh, this is a hard one. There's a lot of lines that I really love. And the, I, for me, the lines were almost less important than the moments the lines came in. Yes. Um, but I will say that probably the most emotional moment of the entire movie for me was when Professor X is lying in bed and X-24 is over him and you don't know that it's X-24 yet and he's saying this is the best night I've had in a very long time but I don't deserve it because he's remembered and he's starting to remember and he's starting to recount it and that scene was just so heartbreaking and so well delivered and so well written and so like majestic in mm-hmm. some ways the way that that the way that guy it felt talks, like a dream and it was just so sad and so perfect. Yeah. Um, that one, and then the other one for me, well, I'll have you go first in case it's the same one. I don't want to steal it from you. Um, no, 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 go ahead. I was, I was going to say that scene. It's very rare when you're watching a movie, like thoroughly yeah. engaged in watching a movie, and something yeah. happens, you're like, what the fuck is going on? What's hap- what, what is happening? Yeah. Why did you... Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I like, looked at the couples next to me because I went by myself yeah. the first time, and obviously they didn't. But I was just like, what... Because, like, you're so... I mean, talk about pulling the rug out from underneath you, man. Yeah, I like, know. You're, all, you're all on the verge of tears out of, like, joy and sadness, and then it's like, 
you're like angry. You I know? honestly can say I tear I tear up like I'll get watery eyed occasionally in a movie like more than I did when I was younger. But like it, I get like a little, but mm-hmm. like very rarely. That's the first time in. I don't even know what the last time was where I had actual, like, dripping off the jawline. La La Land, I fucking lost it. Actual, like, actual tears. Uh, Before he dies, not even when he dies, but, like, when he's talking. There's just something. That one, and then the other one for me would be, and it's funny because it's, like, barely even a line, but it's when they're burying Xavier and he keeps trying to get the line out. Water. He keeps saying they there's, have they have water the, here. Yeah, there's water here. And he keeps trying to say it. And he just and can't. I think the reason, because behind that line, what is being written is like, there's so much loss in that moment for him. Yeah. It's, it's both losing a surrogate father, but even more importantly than a surrogate father, the one other person that was around and knew all of his friends before they all died. Yeah, and the, they had, yeah, it's like a... a He's a symbol of a life that's passed. Because Logan doesn't age properly, and the reason he's finally aging is because his he's poisoned. poisoned yeah. And so he's much older. He's much older than like all of the people that he used to know, and they're all dead now. Mm-hmm. And it's he's sort of he's just grappling with the fact that like that was my guy. That was the reason he wanted to get the Sunseeker and die with him was because it's like that was my last friend, the yeah. last person that knew me, the last person that understood, and he was also kind of a father figure. And God, he says it, and she puts the hand on his wrist. It just every time I've thought about that scene since, it's you want to tear up. It makes my like, yeah, yeah, and like, man, yeah, the relationship between the two of them, their chemistry is so perfect because, like, I mean, you're getting older, I'm getting older, which means our parents are getting older, and 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 I know my mom's gonna watch this episode because she watches all of them. I love you very much, (laughs) Um, but it's true when you get older. It's not that your parents frustrate you yeah but it's the same thing you always talk about where like the roles change yeah kids start taking care of their parents as you get older and what i think is so beautiful about it is there's never a moment of like i'm stuck with this guy it's a moment of i love you so much you're my dad or you're my mom but you know how your mom and your dad can kind of pick at you and they kind of drive you crazy and when you respond to them it's not like it's like yeah i got it yeah, right. I love you. You know, like that. Yeah. The way that they they spoke to each other was just it was a father and a son. Yeah, and watching that was just so heartbreaking. So my favorite lines, <clears throat> I have a few of them, but the water. There's water. Yeah. That one is just heartbreaking. But I, I really love the. Uh, you know, they uh, classify his brain as a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, like a, a degenerative brain disease in the world's most dangerous mind. You know, like that's yeah. cool. Yeah, really cool. A really interesting take on something you would never really think about. Yeah, but it's it's just the last scene. I mean, I, I for those of you that know, I mean, this might be a little bit much, but I was raised by a single mom, yep. so I don't really have that connection with my father like you talk about a lot. But at the end of the episode or at the end of the movie, when he's dying and he's he's on the thing and she and he's like. You know, run off with your friends. Yeah, and she's like, "Daddy." Yeah. When she says, "Daddy," yeah, it breaks my fucking heart. Yeah. Even just to talk about it now, I want to tear up. And then he goes, and then he goes, "Oh, so that's what that feels like." Yeah, right. And you're just, and then she says, "Daddy" again, and you're yeah. just like, "God, ah, yeah, kill right. me." That it, I've never had one word in a movie I think affect me as much as that did. Yeah, right. And then she's, and then she's doing. Like, what a brilliant use, also, of the lines from Shane. Yeah. Because, like, Shane is such an old movie now. It's so out of the the consciousness of, like, mainstream anymore. It never comes up. We've barely ever talked about that movie. No. Uh, I watched it with my dad as a kid once, like, when I was 13. <laughs> uh, like, we all those AFI movies we watched. And 
I like couldn't even have barely told you much about the movie. I would not have been able to quote any lines from the movie. But to put Shane in there, um, Professor Xavier Patrick Stewart. Yeah, this is such a cool he story. Improvised that line when they're watching it. Where he says, "I watched this. this. is one of the first movies I ever saw in theaters in my hometown." That's a real story that Patrick yeah. Stewart was telling. So he says it, and it's amazing how well that ends up tying into the final scene. But the fact that she's like remembers the quote and she says the quote. There's no more guns in the valley. And yeah. it's like she's you're just. You're, like, losing it as that's happening. Yeah, you are. And you don't even really know why. Yeah. Because it's like... But then you really think about the words and what she's saying, but just... It was just beautiful. It was, yeah. like, beautiful melancholy. I mean, that was... It's just... It's pure art on film at that point. Yeah. The movie was amazing. And honestly, we haven't talked about this at all, but Daphne Keene and the fact that she was, like, Mexican-American and, like, she spoke Spanish for yeah. most of the film and then she spoke English. It was just... It's kind of cool to see where we're coming right yeah. now as as a as a society. Yep. So moving on, past favorite line. Do you? What do you? What do you think? Past favorite line? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, getting, I don't think there's any time for yeah, it. We, we were we were gonna go do ahead. a collaborative ranking of all of the X Men movies, but I mean, I think without belaboring it too much, I mean, I think if we're putting Logan in the conversation, I think we can both agree Logan's the best one. And, and then, then after then, that, it really just becomes a question of X two and first class, yeah. and that's basically where it ends. Because after that, it's like. Maybe Days of Future Past X-Men. is really good. Uh, yeah, Days of Future Past and the first X Men are both like notable. And then everything else is kind of dog shit. Yeah, so I would say pretty much. <laughs> I would guess. I would guess that you would argue First Class is the second best, and I would probably argue X Two is the second best. Yeah, and then it would be a question of we probably both agree Days of Future Past is better than X Men. Yep, and that's pretty much the top five. Yeah, I and think- Apocalypse is garbage. Yeah. I watched that for the first time finally. Not only is it longer than Logan. Yeah. Uh, that's just not good. Yeah, that's the that only one I've never seen any of. I so, saw about half of the Wolverine this last week, yeah, and it's yeah. it's fine. It's yeah. like it's it's James Mangold trying to uh, speak to the original Wolverine character and take him to Japan and do the whole samurai thing. Yeah, and to speak to James Mangold, man, I mean, props to you for sticking with something that you failed at horribly and turning it into the yeah. most brilliant thing that it could have ever become. I think I think the reason that he probably did took one more crack at it was because I think I don't think the world views the Wolverine as a failure. I think the yeah. world views the Wolverine as a as a because X Men Origins Wolverine is so 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 bad that I think a lot of people view it actually as like it was an improvement from X Men Origins. It was a little more accurate to the character, but it was just kind of silly and like un unexciting. Like I think some people honestly think they're the same movie too. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> don't even know who directed or- Origins. Was that I don't know? Did we just talk about this the other day? Was that Alex Proyas? No, that wasn't. No, no, no. That no. was Dark City. And, and, and knowing uh, and knowing yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like somebody like relevant directed X-Men Origins Wolverine like somebody we're I supposed think so to, somebody we're supposed to know Marissa would you mind looking that up for us really it's quickly like a singer <laughs> uh, alright so getting on to the next topic it is the three categories on our ship oh sorry I thought I heard Marissa I did too Which one? Um, X-Men Origins Wolverine I feel like we know who directed it I just can't think who it was um sure. Okay, thank you. Uh, so there are three categories of movies on this show. There's totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Totally ridiculous are movies that kind of fall off the face of the earth of Surty. That's uh, Face Off and what some other ones we Con called? Air. Like, yeah, Demolition Man. Yep. And then there's the uh, totally legit. Those are movies that are just, you know, they're just really strong movies. They could be dramas. They don't have to be on the show as an action movie. Those are like Terminator 2, Gladiator. Um, What's that say? Oh, Gavin Hood, of course. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Wait, who's he? Yeah, uh, he directed like a couple other relevant things. Uh, if you scroll down there, Marissa, for a second, um, and then blow up because we're stupid and can't mm-hmm. see things. 
and oh, Ender's Game. Game. Yeah, yeah. There's one other. There's one other relevant movie for sure. But and then the last category is ridiculously legitimate. Those are movies that are kind of ridiculous. You kind of laugh out of them intentionally a couple times, but they're usually held together by a very strong performance, like Ed Harris and The Rock or uh, in Predator. Yeah, since we, that didn't they're, make it to totally legit for you. Those are yeah. It's very. They're very compelling. They're held together by some really strong element. And uh, yeah, it's it's sometimes it's a question. This one's not. This movie is totally legitimate. It's totally legitimate. Yeah. It's a very. It's a very very well made movie. So yeah. And there's and the only moments that you ever kind of laugh or almost kind of like a sad laughter is because the last time you're going to hear Hugh Jackman scream as Wolverine. Yeah. We didn't. I didn't do it once this whole episode. You did it. And you kind of did it in the intro. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll explain if you're still listening to anybody. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For years we've been doing the show, and every time Jackman would come up, I always would say that he has like that guttural yell that he does. Yeah. And it's the word no, no. Yeah. And uh, it's actually I was watching The Prestige again, and it's actually from The Prestige that I always think of it. I know he's done that in more than one movie, but it's in The Prestige when he's reading through the journal. Um, and he realizes that Christian Bale's tricked him and he knew that he was going to read the journal. Right. And because he says, he's like, you know, I didn't, to this day, I don't know what knot I tied. And he's looking through and he's like, she doesn't know. How could he, how could he not know? How could he not know? <laughs> he yeah. throws the journal down in frustration and it's just my favorite thing. He I, has an incredible yell. It's an amazing guttural yell. I think it's, that was my other thesis option was that Hugh Jackman has the greatest guttural yell. I'm glad you didn't go with that and that yeah. we just talked about it yeah. instead. Yeah. All right. So we have one category left on the show, and that's called The Pitch. So, guys, we don't have a movie to pitch. No, we were too excited about we were this. too excited, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, only, like, what, seven, six, seven until we get to 100? I think so. So 100 will be something special. I kind of think that at this point, honestly... I'll bet you episode 100 is not a movie. I'll bet you episode 100 is like an extravaganza. Because yeah. we've, we've covered almost every one. If anyone wants to send us really nice scotch for that episode, we'll be happy to take it at the AfterBuzz Studios. Yeah, like a really fancy <laughs> bottle of scotch. We would, yeah, I'll Uber here that day. Yeah, we'll I'll do just it. take Wednesday off. I'll just drop. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> Um, I can't afford to Uber. I'll drive. I'll but, drive, but, but I'll I can't afford a DUI, so I'll just, do it well. Just kidding. This is not a Never joke. Do this is not funny. Do not Never drink do. and drive. Um, but, Mom, um, I don't do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess I guess throw out some ideas if you have any. We can put a poll up. Yeah. Uh, there's like a there's a small list of movies left that still are in in contention to be yeah, done and discussed. Sure. Um, namely, the Raid Redemption is the one that always comes to mind. The Heat the Ghost is the another one. Heat. Yeah. Yeah. There's a small number that are still on the list of movies we will get to. But uh, we oh, will. and and I don't think we'll ever do another movie like this on the show. This was like a very special situation and circumstance to, to do a to do an X Men movie. Yeah, 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 for sure. We won't ever do. Yeah, we're not going to do any of the Avengers movies or Spider Man movies, anything like that. Um, it has to really be a specific kind of. We did the Punisher because he doesn't have any superpowers, right. and we did Dark Knight because he doesn't have any superpowers. We did Blade. I'm not really sure why Blade. I don't really remember why we were able to talk about Blade. <laughs> because I think it was before. Or the superhero movie generation, so it was like right. A, it was inter- it was like it was one of the very first ever sort of a vampire action movie. Yeah, um, he doesn't show up in any canon, so true. Um, yeah. So anyway, guys, thanks for watching. That was that. If you guys want to jump in on the conversation, follow along. Follow the Twitter at AMA Podcast. You can follow me personally at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter or Instagram. And thank you so much for uh, 
keeping that live chat popping today. And go great. watch us on the fucking Schmodown. Yes. Go to, to youtube.com slash Collider and we'll go find the Schmodown, Ultimate Movie Trivia Schmodown, our team, team action. We have a sweet, sweet in- entry. Oh, one of the you greatest You gotta go intros. watch it. It's super fun. Yeah. And all of the good comments and good vibes on Twitter have been, just been great. So. And a shout out to Emma Fife and Joel Monique for being awesome, awesome competitors with us. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Hell of a time. Hell of a time. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, see you next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. <laughs>